Mac and Heath. Okay, hey Heath, I've got a friend, and he's been like very successful. He's uh, he's gained like quite a bit of uh, prestige on his like resume, mm-hmm. and he sought that out. He mm-hmm. he wanted that, but one of the things he's asked me, this has been like an ongoing conversation between me and him for I don't know more than a decade, is is ambition a virtue or a vice? Is it a, is it good to be ambitious, or is it bad? You want to know my opinion? Well, I want to know the answer. <laughs> the answer. They've said the the yeah. the noble Brutus has said that Caesar was ambitious. Yeah. The first of all, there's not an answer to this. You know, any either or conundrum has a has a, a more complex root. But it's interesting on the way over here, um, knowing we were going to talk about ambition, I asked some colleagues just rapid fire. You know, is ambition bad? Is ambition oh, that's bad? smart. What did they say? And then I asked uh, some students who were in the room too. Is ambition bad? And universally, people fall into this, this kind of camp where they have this instinct that it's, it's a bad thing or a good thing. And there, there actually felt like there was a less middle road, yeah. even though everyone acknowledged, yeah, I know it just depends on. But they all had instincts. You know, they had a, a primary instinct that said, for, for example, one of the students were like, ambition is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is the through hard work and dedication, you pursue something worthy and excellent. Why would that be a bad thing? And another colleague was like, I almost universally see it as something of ego and, you know, uh, li- listed uh, uh, several traditional vices that it would be pri- prideful, et cetera. Did you find that the students were more in the pro ambition camp and the colleagues were more in the anti, or was it mixed? It was mixed. Yeah, it was a little bit all over the place. Uh, I also quickly asked them about their their background um, because I I'm I'm interested. I have I absolutely, which is you know our way on this podcast. I have absolutely like no longitudinal study to back up what I'm saying here, but I do have a cultural context in which I grew up, and the cultural context I grew up in was this evangelical tradition that's typically a middle to lower middle class. And uh, economically, economically, and it was almost always perceived or presented to me as ambition as as a negative thing. It is mm. something of ego. It is something worldly. That happens in a lot of uh, poor cultures in general, right? Poverty culture. If you're trying to, I don't know that actually. It seems to me that when mm. I everything that I have read about, for example, first generation immigrants oh, does that, not say that. That's a good point. That's a good point about. Yeah, but I'm thinking of other uh, populations in poverty in which getting above yourself, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I do know what you mean there. I, it almost depends upon the group, though, right? So That's for, fair, yeah. For, for every first-generation immigrant family I know, uh, ambition is almost always a, good. a celebrated virtue. You've got to be ambitious to, to do the work of, like, to immigrate somewhere oh, else is an ambitious thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and... But also seen as courageous and brave. Almost all uh, virtues are attached to that. But, uh, you know, I, growing up in the South, I know certain little subcultures 
and I studied Southern culture, of course, um, in graduate school. So there's certain subcultures where it wouldn't be. Like I've read a lot of and and know people from like um, rural, white, Ozark type or Delta type culture that it would be seen as like, who does he think he is? Yes. You know, he's getting above himself. He, he thinks he's better getting than us. Getting above his raisin. You yeah, that getting above his raisin. Thinks he's better than us, kind of a thing. And that's almost how, it, when when I was presented as a kid, uh, particularly in a religious context, it was almost always seen not as he's getting above himself, but like his priorities are out of sorts. You know, it was that, that whole uh, him theology of this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. And, and ambition is seen like, oh, you like you're trying to make too much of the world. Yeah, you're too, trying to make too much of the world. And uh, it wasn't until I got older, my wife and I have talked a lot about this, uh, Hannah, that I, I came to resent that thinking almost. Uh, I look at other uh, parts of our culture and and uh, it, it feels like it has the potential to stamp out excellence. In fact, this is a question I have for you. Is ambition a necessary ingredient for excellence? Yeah, I think that's the trouble, right, is how do we define the word? Uh, It's like, what do you mean by success? What we frequently mean is acclaim, fame, money, uh, recognition, right? And seeking after those things does strike me as problematic morally. Potentially. No, I think think seeking after fame, acclaim— money as ends. I think okay, yeah. my instinct is, yeah, those now. are those yeah. are problematic. Yeah. Um, the musician who plays music because she loves music and shares her music that she writes or performs or whatever with people who acclaim, celebrate, et cetera, her, uh, at, at best what she's doing is pursuing the good of beauty, mm-hmm. and I, I admire that entirely. But when she's aiming at acclaim and fame, success, right? So it's, it's the difference in trying to make a hit record and trying to make a great record. Mm-hmm. Like you ever do this thing? You go back and you listen to uh, the like number one hit on the Billboard charts from every year. Have you ever looked at this? Mm-hmm. These lists are great because it'll be like you know the year that um the the Beatles put out, I don't know, uh, Revolution or something, you know, and the number one song of the year is some trite, kitschy yeah. piece. Um, Sturgill Simpson puts out an unbelievable album. None of those things are going to be hits, but they're going to last. They'll be better. Right. So if you're aiming to make a hit, then that strikes me as problematic um, morally. But the question then is, well, what is ambition? If ambition is simply the desire for excellence – then, then that can't be bad, but there's also is it necessary for excellence? Is is a healthy way? Is a healthy definition, a morally healthy definition of ambitious ambition necessary for excellence? Yeah, uh, I think probably it is. It feels it feels absolutely necessary to me. So, but I'm thinking about even the word ambition. What do we mean by it? So, like, let's let's go to the dictionary. Shall we? It's dictionary time. Is that dictionary is, time for Buddy? So ambition, according to uh, the dictionary, the Oxford English Dictionary, the only dictionary we would ever quote. I don't hear that Merriam-Webster trash on this podcast. There's two, and I think this plays into your struggle here. 
One is a strong desire to do or to achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. That seems value neutral to me. Yeah, or even value positive. Yeah. So uh, you're saying, well, it depends on your ultimate, like, spirit and aims or whatever. But this is is good. And the second is a desire and determination to achieve success. And that's where you're like, well, I don't like that, you know. Yeah, I'm at least least suspicious. The the former seems to be um, necessary if I want to do something great. If I want to be excellent at something, uh, whatever that may be, if it's a friendship or if it's, you know, uh, in worldly terms, more worldly terms, like I want to be excellent at my work, uh, it seems ambition is a necessary ingredient for that. So I think about think about this. I was talking to a friend of the day uh, who grew up in uh, Nigeria and immigrated to the U.S. Uh, interesting fact, Nigerian-Americans have the highest percentage of graduate education of any demographic group mm. in America. I think that's right. I looked it up a little back. But uh, very successful. So when he came over, he found that uh, his parents had always expected and demanded success mm-hmm. of him. Mm-hmm. Now, they were educators, and he's, you know, then, so his success took the form of education. But he was surprised when he got here that people saw African or whatever, and they thought, oh, he won't. They had lower expectation. Yeah. And this was confusing to him. So we were having this great conversation about this. He's this very wise uh, person. And he was about raising his son. And I said, so do you put, do you put the high expectations mm-hmm. on your son that you grew up with? Or do you take this other path that's, no, 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 let the kid be free to go where he wants. So like, I can think about this. My, my, my what old, was the answer? Uh, he he is less. <laughs> he's like I don't care about anything yeah, except like, I have to raise my children. What's now. the story? Like yeah, I think he puts less pressure on his kids. Uh. Um, but like most of us, we end up reacting against our parents. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we follow in their footsteps, whatever. I don't know. And maybe he would answer it differently. I'm hesitant to to give the full answer here. But but it struck me as uh, interesting when I think about not only when I think about ambition of myself. I tend to be like, ooh, be careful, you know, watch out for your pride or whatever. But, like, my son does well in school. He's a sharp kid, and he's, he's got good grades. And I think, would I like him to be valedictorian of his class? And my, my instinct is to be like, yeah, yeah, you should, you should push, you should, you should aim for that. Mm-hmm. Or my daughter plays on the volleyball team, and she's, she does a good job. She's a good little volleyball player. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't seem to have much drive to be the best player on the team. Yeah. And sometimes I think I'm like, I want to like push her and say, come on, come on. You know. Well, uh, yeah. And I, and I, and I, I wonder that. if that's right. Yeah, I get the pressure here. What, what I'm interested in here is. My daughter's also brought and, and can be yeah, valedictorian. Yeah. And my son, I don't. We can't. Ugh. Are, we can't do all the things. It's impossible right? to be a good parent. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. um, excellence is universally seen as a positive thing. Yes, I'm, that's I'm, the definition. I'm trying to work backwards. Deontologically. Yeah. yeah. So I, I grew up, and ambition is oftentimes distrusted for various reasons. I understand that. Uh, excellence is always seen universally as a positive thing. Uh, excellence inspires us. Um, I can't tell you. There, there are few people in my life that I feel like they're so excellent at this thing, you know, uh, whatever part of, of their life, if it's professional, if it's a personal thing, whatever. Being great at anything. And you're just, you're, it's like a tractor beam, you know, it's just like pulling you to this person. You're just, you admire them so much. 
the world needs more excellent people, right? And so, excellent performances too. Like absolutely. not even like we say excellent people. You know, I don't think of like many of our best athletes or performers. I think of that or, too, though. That's no, so, no, what I'm so saying inspiring. Is, no, what I'm saying is I don't think of them as excellent people. Yeah. I don't know anything about them as people. Well, but, but as be, a musician, I don't look, know at the performance of that. Yeah. Sport, music, whatever. Well, people are complicated. Yeah. So it's hard to say, you know, this person's all bad, all good. If if a person, uh, I, I'll use an example. My my son and I have been introducing him to you know my childhood. So we've been watching through the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance. Follows. Oh the, yeah, fun. The, yeah, right. Randy's Bulls, but it's really basically a documentary about Michael Jordan. And it's really poor Scotty Pippen. Yeah, it's a case study in what we're talking about here. Hey, where did Scotty Pippen play college basketball? University of Central Arkansas. In Georgia. Arkansas, yeah. how about that? Hamburg, Arkansas, finest. Um, so Jordan's a case study for this. Uh, completely consumed with his craft. Completely consumed with being excellent. Everything at basketball. At basketball. Everything else is um, the, the shoes, the enigma, the myth, the legend becomes a byproduct of his excellence on the court. And he, he says that in the documentary. He's like, the shoes, like that was perfect time, perfect place. But none of this matters unless I'm excellent at what I do on the court. It's interesting, though. Isn't part of the deal with like, Jordan's a good example of this? Because some people hate Jordan. Yeah, like, that's what. But, but one of the things they hate about him is they say he's not actually about excellence the craft of basketball. What he's about is winning. And that's, that's right. why he could abandon basketball to go win baseball. Or that's why he has a gambling yeah. issue because it's actually the thrill of winning that he loves, not the excellence of the sport. Right. That, that's why That's why I was getting at. I'm, I'm thinking he's the perfect case study for this because not only is he about excellence, but it's also this potentially, at times you get this potential distortion of the pursuit of excellence, yeah. like what you're saying. It's very hard to see which one he's aiming at. But also, um, he's not particularly liked, you know? That's, that's uh, because, one way to say and, it. And he, he, he breaks down at one part of this documentary series because everyone's saying, like, yeah, he's really difficult to be around. He's so demanding. Uh, now, he, he does all the things that he demands of us, too, but we just can't be him, and he's so demanding, so harsh. And Jordan kind of breaks down. It's like, um, this is the way I chose to play the game because and it's, it connects back to what you're saying. Because I wanted us to win, I wanted us to uh, be a part of something. And so, as as far as judging it good or bad, it's way too it's way too complex for that. There's certain parts of what Michael Jordan does to become excellent at his craft on in the pursuit of winning that is admirable. And I think we all should be looking at that and inspired by it and try to carry it over into our lives. And then there's other parts of it where like, oh, but that's that's not good. That's, yeah. That feels like it's for the wrong reasons. And and look at the consequences. And instead of uh, people, um, instead of cultivating close, meaningful relationships with people, you sacrifice that for the pursuit of this other good. So it's very complicated. And and anytime someone's talking about ambition or admiring excellence, I, I'm always looking at what are the what are the consequences of the pursuit of that. Yeah, because things like when they when they talk on the Olympics, mm -hmm. and they always tell these stories about how many hours they put into this. Yeah. Like I always watch those, and it breaks my heart. I'm like, oh, you poor person. Yeah. Your whole life is consumed with getting to the 
you know, end of the pool faster than somebody else. This is <laughs> this is the sum of your life. But it's also so inspiring because they do this, you know, um, this one Absolutely. thing really excellently. But, you know, on that, I want to go back to that documentary you're talking about. There's a scene where Rodman, Dennis Rodman, mm-hmm. is sitting on the on the bench in the, like, uh, warm-up room or whatever before the game. And he's uh, moving his hands about mm-hmm. and thinking through the right ways to get a rebound. He's a great mm-hmm. rebounder, right? So he's he's sitting there in the room practicing that. And Rodman, of course, I think wanted to win. Mm-hmm. But but one of the things that I ended up – I liked – when I was a kid, I loved MJ, of course. Yeah. But I thought Rodman was just too weird and too bad and all that. I didn't like him. When I watched that documentary, Rodman was the guy that I thought, hmm, he's not obsessed with winning – but he does really care about doing his job on the team mm-hmm. perfectly. Like he's more interested in rebounding the basketball yeah. than winning or being the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah. Like Robin's So we admire someone in the pursuit of excellence of this of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I was surprised by that. The that Rodman, Rodman the Rodman example is a good one for translating this into uh work life too, because Rodman knows who he is. I think that's a key part of uh, ambition, success, in a positive sense, is knowing who you are. Uh, Robin knows who he is. He doesn't try to be Michael Jordan, right? They they ask Rodman to come in here and, yes. and do this thing. You're so good at defense and rebounding. So and that, they give him a pass to do the other stuff. Even MJ yeah, gives him a pass. That's right. There have been times in in my life where I have seen both in the work that I do but also in – uh, other parts of culture where friends are working at places mm-hmm. and we're talking about leadership and who's in charge of what, where it feels like uh, excellent excellence isn't demanded, but it's so needed. And when it's absent, when excellence is absent in a position of authority and leadership, uh, I have felt no greater void. It's it, the, the analogy is... It uh, makes you mad, right? It not only makes me mad, but it... it it completely has the ability to, to steer the potential for something good and worthy off course or to just completely stunt it. And I think that oftentimes people in culture uh, misunderstand a good person doing something from an excellent person doing something. Okay, I would have to have that distinction because my, my instinct when you say that is to say a good, por- a good person performing – X yes. poorly yes. versus uh, a whatever person, good, bad, yeah. you know, whatever, performing something with excellence. And that's part of what I think, like, is the distinction here is ambition about success. That, I think, is a person like I want a particular status or marker or achievement. I want the trophy, whereas the first definition you gave earlier that aims at excellence. I want to do this thing well. Yeah. When it's absent, you know, an example is when LeBron James leaves the Cavs, they're terrible. Like the, the, when Peyton Manning leaves the Colts, they're terrible. These are sports references, Mac. Peyton Manning plays the football. He played the football. Yeah. And so... Our listeners don't don't know that I don't know anything about no, sports. Yeah, that's right. I only know the 90s Bulls because I watched a documentary about yeah. sports. <laughs> so... I, I guess in my I see the world oftentimes in case studies, and I'm I'm very interested in the absence of excellence in places, 
and its consequences. And I'm also interested in when excellence is present, what, what had to be given up in the process? The balance. And, and what, is its, um, what is its ultimate good there? You know, like Hannah and I have talked about this. We, we're in a time of life where it's hard to specialize yeah. because we have too much going on. Yeah, like right. if I want to be a present father and husband and at home to do things. Got to be a flaky podcaster. Then I got to be a flaky podcaster. That's right. Or I have to give up some things at work. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, if I want to be completely, totally consumed and excellent at work, I'm going to have to give up something at home. So we we always, we love the case study, you know, like we'll look at um, an athlete like Roger Federer or someone like that. We love to play tennis. And it's like, what does it take to do that? In the pursuit of excellence, what does that take? And sacrifice. Almost, almost always it requires sacrifice by a community of people. So he's not going to be able to mm-hmm. uh, go to Walmart on the way home, you know, to pick up the, the groceries that's or whatever. Right, yeah. that, that's not what we want from him. And so, uh, there, and of course, you know, this is somewhat cliche too. We're all thinking, of course, so it takes prudential discernment to figure out uh, what can we or can't we you know, pursue and be excellent at. But what I'm concerned with in my own life, and maybe in, as I'm trying to teach students too, is the um, the American, sometimes religious way of perceiving this is almost always a bad. So I look at hmm. I look at a lot of the television shows of now, like Succession, things like that, and ambition is universally seen as this corrupted thing that always leads to greed. It's very American. Greed and, you know... Um, like you said, even even Oppression. even trying to bring up Jordan, who you know I would idealize, um, you're like, yeah, but really, it wasn't that excellent thing. It was it was this winning. It was winning, and winning is bad. You know, we, or I don't think winning's bad, but it's just it's not the same. Like it's a, it strikes me as an external good as opposed to like the craft of basketball. Yeah, but I, maybe too sharp a distinction. I I, I really. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it. Maybe I'm projecting based on my own little context here, uh, how I grew up. Uh, but I really think as a, as a cultural narrative, we don't have this right right now. That's an interesting thing that you said is an American thing. I think it's – I mean there is the religious piece you, you mentioned and, and our context and southern uh, people plays into this. But there's also just something deeply American about not trusting elitism. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, like here's, a, here's a phenomenon that I think is fascinating linguistically. Americans always talk about democracy, mm-hmm. despite the fact that our government is a republic, right? But we don't hold up uh, the representatives. We are suspicious of them. What we what we like is the idea that nobody's better than anybody else. We're all the same. But we also we're get so, rid of kings. Yeah. We're so paradoxical in this though, because uh, American culture that it's implied oftentimes like we don't trust the elite. But that's that's who we revere the most. We love to put people oh, on yeah. top and to celebrate them only. Yeah, usually we carve to, their names yeah, in mountains or faces only in mountains. usually to try to then knock them down. Though that's what mm-hmm. that's what I mean. I think our Competing narratives, right? I one of one of the colleagues that I asked this question to on the way over here said, "You know, I was in um, I was at a meeting recently with a certain group of people. I won't name the group of people because it's it's not it doesn't matter for this conversation, but it's a group." And he says, "I was at this meeting and I realized like everyone in this room is like 
head and shoulders more successful than uh, the norm in cultures. Like everyone by a one had had you know uh, was su- successful in their careers, was athletic. Was it was like you know it's like the he's like I looked around the room. It was like the Platonic ideal. He's like I was deeply distrustful of this room. <laughs> and so it, play, it plays to your point. And I was like. And we laughed about it because he was being a little cheeky, but also like trying to figure out like, why was I so distrustful of this? But it felt to him like, who do these people think they are being so good at everything? And I was like, but isn't that the goal? Isn't that the, you know, this is someone who- Yeah, is it just envy that makes you feel that way? Yeah. And so I think our, I really do feel a sense that our contemporary cultural moment has this bad on both ends. Either it's this nihilistic pursuit of ambition for wealth and or status, and status. Or, mm-hmm. or it's this, you know, too demure, who do these th- people think they're all? I don't see a lot of cultural narratives carving out a middle ground here to say, pursue excellence, be excellent at every single thing you do, and then also cultivate your heart and, deep and, and your virtue. Yeah, how do you, you know, I, I teach in virtue ethics, and you have these these two uh, sins or vices, right? On the one hand, sloth, which is so characteristic of American society, uh, acedia, right? This idea that I won't, I won't really love and pursue the goods that are appropriate for me to love and pursue at this moment, at this time in my life. And on the other hand, pride. So, like, you can you can get people to pursue excellence by appealing to their pride. Mm-hmm. And you can kill pride by appealing to sloth. Yeah. But but of course we don't want to be slothful or prideful. But what are the virtues of excellence? What are the virtues of amb- like if we're only looking at ambition and we're careful of the vices, what are the virtues? What oh, are the corresponding virtues oh, of right. ambition? Yeah, like generosity and and excellence. Yeah. Right. So like wisdom is courage, a good bravery. Yeah. Yes. So wisdom is a good example of hard this. work. Like I want you, if you say I want to be a wise person, you know that is a very ambitious thing to say. Yeah, I want to. I want to know better than most people know. You know. Yeah. But if you if you pursue wisdom in that way, I want to be better than most people at you know like seeing the good. You're never gonna you know that that arrogance is gonna get in the way of it. And so I I, I think that. Maybe we've just talked around this a lot, but the distinction that that your dictionary brought up earlier, Mm -hmm. are you aiming at excellence or are you aiming at the rewards associated with excellence? Mm -hmm. This is why like pro sports are not beautiful because they get the money gets involved in a way that like like my favorite. I don't know anything about sports, but my favorite professional athlete is probably Bo Jackson. Bo knows. Well, because he was excellent yeah, and, like, r- just a huge risk taker, like playing professional football, as he says, as a hobby. He's like, oh, I'm a professional baseball player, but I play football as a hobby. Yeah. And then, like, ending his career in both sports with an injury brought about because he's like, it's a fluke. I want to yeah. do better. And so he sort of rips his own leg, you know, yeah. by pulling too hard. But then, like, if you watch that 30 for 30 that mm-hmm. ESPN produced about it, which is unbelievably good mm-hmm. um he like when when they're interviewing old bo jackson sitting around like he's a bow hunter he's like making arrows and stuff in his garage he doesn't regret it he was like no i was 
I was that was what I needed to do on that play. Yeah. And and it it doesn't feel uh, like he's aiming at merely the marks, yeah. merely winning. He wanted to play football or play baseball, the love of the game, not these external things. And that's the way. That's the same thing with music. It's the same thing with like like in our careers as teachers. Like I want to love my subject or love the 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 craft of teaching so but it's much. Beyond love, there should be an expectation on us as teachers, a demand to be excellent at our craft and to call and to like to call students to excellence. Yes, be all that you can be, do your best, so forth. And and so. On. And so is this the kind of language you use with your own children and your own students in your class? Like I'm, um, I, I've struggled with this too. Like, oh, you know, you're in um, a freshman literature class and literature isn't your thing. I'm going to teach to the unconverted. I'm going to try to get you on the team versus uh, being being more like in the pursuit of, I expect you to be excellent at every time you step in the room at, at anything, you know, like, how do you how do you find yourself talking about excellence to your students and your own children? Well, this I think this is the thing that's hard. I'm fine talking about excellence and calling them to the highest goods and pushing them to do that, but I know that what what will effectively motivate them are frequently uh, bad goals. So, for example, beating other people, right? Uh, yeah, you, come on, you can beat them, and then you'll be the champion. You'll be the winner. Mm-hmm. You'll be, whether it's the valedictorian or you'll be the one in this paper contest, your paper will be the published one. You'll beat everybody else. You'll be number one. You'll make the dean's list. You'll get a career and make more money. All of these things that, that I think of as um, distractions from excellence or, at best, add-ons that come with it as opposed to the thing itself. But like, I mean, students, it's kind of hard, but you can sort of be so, you know, you can have a relationship or you can produce passion and demonstrate that to them to inspire them. I find that where it's hardest for me is with my kids trying to raise kids Mm -hmm. and to talk to them about like how to have right priorities. Mm -hmm. Like for example, if, if one of my kids is totally just down to play a sport because he, likes it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't want to be great. doesn't want to sacrifice much for it. Mm, yeah, I had a good time with it. Doesn't hate losing. Doesn't really get excited about winning. Part of me is like... I don't understand these humans. Right. I'm, part of me is like, <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? Um, but part of me is like, oh, how admirable. You were able to treat a game like a game. Mm-hmm. But I worry that that same lackadaisical mm-hmm. uh, attitude will then manifest itself in a failure to really care about deep goods that you really ought to care about. Mm-hmm. And so you you won't do anything particularly bad. You'll just kind of do nothing and yeah. be nothing. And I don't want that for my kids either. No. Or my students. Seems to me that it's helpful. Like I, I'm trying to think of things that are helpful in my own mind in this conversation. Being able to distinguish and say, I don't want I don't want humility that is actually just a, a fig leaf to cover up sloth, right? Well, yeah. I, I'm not doing anything to make my world or myself yeah. any yeah. better, but at least I'm not arrogant yeah. or prideful. And I don't want arrogance and pride. I'm achieving excellence so that I'll win or so that I'll beat somebody else. But, like, man, my son was in this – he swims, uh, and he was at the swim meet of the day, and when mm-hmm. he did the best – 
was because he saw a kid catching up to him, you know? Like, swimming against the clock is not the same thing as swimming against somebody in the lane next to you and seeing them coming. So part of me thinks, well, the way I get him to get to excellence is I can, like, harness this, you know, we plunder the Egyptians, so to speak, steal this bad thing to pursue this good thing. But I also just worry because the bad things are so much easier to pursue and so much more uh, tempting because they have the immediate gratification. Like you can win. Like think about this. Peewee softball or like third grade basketball, everyone on the court plays the game terribly. There is Mm -hmm. zero excellence of any kind. But still, some kids get to win. <laughs> and, like, that, that's this but achievable. But that's an arbitrary thing, right? Yeah, 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 but they don't feel it that way, no, no, no. right? I mean, those little kids crow just the same way that uh, – Right, yeah. So, They've so, watched too much ESPN. Right. So the thing and their is, parents have too. I want to be cautious about – even though winning can be the motivation to get you to pursue excellence, winning is so much more addictive yeah, yeah. than excellence. That's right. And that's it right. costs so much less. Yeah. And I think that's part of why ambition feels nervous mm-hmm. or feel, makes me feel nervous. I think, I think we should lean on excellence as uh, a virtue we should all uh, be uh, constantly in the pursuit of. Not be too hard on ourselves because it's hard to be excellent at all the things. At anything. That's right. That's, yeah, good point. Uh, but also to see everything like you're like one of your kids playing sports just for, for a game, but to see everything as a training ground for some kind of character building, virtue building exercise to become people of, of range. Excellent people. Yeah, excellent people. Whole, I think we need much more of a holistic understanding of excellence as a uh, in the end an unattainable mm. you know goal, but something that we should talk about more, uh, cultivate a better, uh, healthier understanding for, and hold ourselves accountable towards. Hot take for the day, greens. (laughs) <laughs> there are three you're such a fool there are three kinds of greens that southerners like to eat and they are turnip greens collard greens and mustard greens and the best of these is collard greens and then turnip greens and then mustard greens but if my daddy were here he would have it exactly inverted he says mustard's number one collards number three but i'm right on this one and that's my hot take okay uh, you don't have a distinction of why why one over the other? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, collards taste better than the others. <laughs> <laughs> what is the particular taste that you're looking for there? Oh, that's a good question. There's a bitterness, of course, that greens have. Yeah. Uh, mustard greens have a spiciness to them mm-hmm. that I think gets in the way of uh, – I don't really care for mustard greens. I'll eat them, yeah. but, but I love collards and turnip greens. When I was a boy, my daddy ate turnip greens all the time. It was his favorite. Yeah. And – it was like the most disgusting food imaginable to a child. Yeah. And then I was at a uh, a thing with a, an African setting, and they had these greens. And I was I had a group of people I was leading, and I was like, every one of you will eat whatever they put in front of you and say thank you. Mm-hmm. And so I had to lead the way, and they brought up the food that I was like, oh no, not turnip greens. And and I it was like you kind of eating like with this corn yeah. mush that was kind of like grits a little bit almost. 
and I picked up the greens in the grits. I was like, this looks great. Yeah. And I took a bite and I probably hadn't tried them in a decade. Yeah. You know, your taste change, you get older. And I was like, holy cow, this is awesome. Yeah. And I loved them. And now Jenny's always telling me, she's like, can we not have greens tonight? Like, <laughs> it's been four nights in a row. Can, can you can you not have collards? That's funny. My hot take, people should still watch the Oscars. Oh, okay. yes. that is a hot take. Um, I, I've, I understand people poo-pooing our contemporary culture and like um, the cult of celebrity and the fashion that goes into it. It seems very materialistic and oftentimes is. And, uh, you know, I understand people bemoaning and rolling eyes. But then it dawned on me. I'm sitting there, I'm watching the Oscars, and for all of the, you know, ways in which people can be incredulous while they watch them, I thought to myself, you know, some of the films, some of them don't fall into this category. There's too many, like, Best Picture nominees now, you know. Top Gun, sure, I'm sure it's a great movie, but this isn't a Best Picture nominee. This is a blockbuster. Never should have gone to 10. Never should have gone to 10. Exactly. So, but then I thought, you know, several of these are films. Like, these are great stories um, with incredible acting, and uh, people should take notice of them. They are teaching us something about where we are and where we're going and what it means to be a human being. And we're getting increasingly into a culture that seems like, at least, divorced from art and story and uh, metaphor and much more utilitarian in, in its nature. And so we need to celebrate stories. We mm. need to celebrate art forms. I wish... Uh, I love the... Uh, which is the award show that does with television... That's the, the Emmys. The Emmys. Yeah, the Emmys to me are becoming even more important than the Oscars. I think. Or just because television's becoming the new medium. Oh my goodness! Uh, but not just the new medium. Like rise into the challenge. I mean, I know yeah, it's good, it's good uh, storytelling. Te- there's an overcrowded market with TV shows, but we're also living in the golden age of serial television. Yeah. And in many ways, it's as good writing as some of the best novels you will ever read. And I, I think we should be celebrating. At first, I was like, oh no, this is going to get people are never going to read again. And now I'm like. Well, Man, these are like ten-hour television, you know, ten-hour movies mm-hmm. that with great character development, terrific writing, and so we should be celebrating this more. So I'm for the Oscars. Watch the Oscars. Next time on Mac and Heath, I want to ask you about uh, a word with a fuzzy boundary. Uh, all words have fuzzy boundaries. Okay, but this one has a real <laughs> fuzzy boundary. Okay, and it's one that's near and dear to my heart, and one that you have written about and studied. Okay, I see where we're going. I want to know what the South is. Oof. Let's do it. The duality of the Southern thing. I'm into it. All right. So next time on Mac and Heath, the South. <laughs> <laughs>